Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 12 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who still does not understand how the New York Giants find new ways to lose football games every week. And I have my co-host with me today, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Nothing, man. I watched that new Star Wars movie today, so I'm about two bourbons deep, three bourbons deep. I'm losing track. <laughs> Uh, I've never uh, seen Star Wars all the way through. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I don't even know what it's about. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> welcome to episode 12. We are going to get into our usual segment um, while you're watching TNT, and then we're gonna we're gonna do a couple of different things. We uh, we're gonna eliminate some teams from the playoffs because that's apparently what we do a uh, quarter way through the season, and then we have a couple other things we want to talk about. But before we get into it, I want to you know wish a warm welcome back to my man Kyrie Irving. Welcome to the Brookie Monsters. You are on my fantasy team. Inserted you into the lineup, and uh, you start. You get the D League start with the with the Sixers, so you know you got a nice little little run. So now it's time to, to to get into the real thing. So I'm excited for Kyrie Irving on the on the Brookie Monsters here. And yes, my fantasy team is named the Brookie Monsters. It okay, would be. So, yeah, of course, Brook Lopez. Uh, so we are going to start with while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Portland Trailblazers, one of my favorite teams in the league, actually. And Portland, we're going to count the uh, the game that they had today. We usually record a little earlier. We had a little, little late-night cap because Andy had to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi do some stuff, apparently. So uh, we we got we got the Portland Trailblazers uh, four-game week, uh, the Pelicans at home, and then they went to OKC went to Orlando, and went to Miami. They went 1-3. The No Look Pass podcast curse continues. Another team under 500 while we watched them. Andy Flint, how many Portland Trailblazers games did you watch? What were your impressions? I watched two of them. I caught the – I watched both loss, uh, two losses. I caught the Thunder game, and I caught the, the Magic game. Obviously, I don't miss the Magic game, and I promise I didn't set this one up this time. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting, I'm starting to see a trend here. Every time I every time I go to watch a game, all of a sudden I'm like, all right, let's look at the schedule because I don't even know. We we both don't know who the other guy is going to pick until the end of the show. And you know, sometimes I'll I'll just get off and I'll be looking at the schedule. I'm like, all right, let's see, you know, what's going on? Who they're playing? I'm like, oh look, it's the Magic again. What a coincidence! <laughs> so. Yeah, the Pel- or like I said, the Trailblazers went one in three. Their only win was against. Um, the Pelicans, the first game of the week, and that is the game I saw mostly. I caught most of the Orlando game as well, but I did not watch the OKC game only because by the time I went to watch it, it was no longer a game. So I just decided, and I, I think it really it really matches with this team, the, the way that they lost to OKC, because we're going to get into that in a little bit. But first off, I want to shout out my man Damian Lillard, who is uh, not really my man, you know, People call me a Damian Lillard hater. Shout out to my man Mo, who's uh, I'm sure listening listens every week. Uh, but I want to shout out Damian Lillard because I found out by watching the Portland broadcast that if you have a camera and a stack of about who knows how many twenty dollar bills, Damian Lillard will say whatever you want him to on screen, on camera for the television. <laughs> my man was doing commercials for appliance companies, car dealerships. Yo, he didn't even care. He was just like, yo, I'll just say I'll just say whatever you want me to say. Like you got the money, I got the goods. That's it. It's over. Uh, so, yo, shout out to you, Damian Lillard. I'm not knocking the hustle at all. Uh, Andy Flynn, what were your impressions of the uh, encore basketball Trailblazers just played? You, you know, this curse is a real thing, I think, at this point. I'm, I've bought in. Um, you know, yeah, Portland, yeah, we're going to have to call him John Madden and see how we reverse this. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't have a, a ton to say. I, 
in terms of, you know, thinking of this team differently than I thought of them going into this, I mean, they're kind of are what I expected. They can be fun to watch. I, I think the, the Magic game was fun for a while. Um, the Thunder game was never really fun. I did catch some of the recap of the Pelicans game, and that actually was like a four-point game. Um, no, I didn't see any part of today's game. I just think this team looks like a lot of guys who could potentially be contributing factors to a good team can't be your glue guys. I, I mean, you have Lillard, who, who's obviously a, you know a good point guard. You have uh, C.J. McCollum's become quite a good player. I didn't even realize he was averaging like over 20 points a game this season. But then you got a, oh, yeah. a bunch of guys like Mason Plumlee. You have Ed Davis. You have Noah Vonley. I mean, we're talking – uh, with the exception, I mean, Vonley is obviously a newer player, a younger player, but Ed Davis, I feel like, and, and Mason Plumlee are kind of the, the same guys in the sense of, <laughs> you know, they're they're not really starting caliber players. And Al Farouk Aminu, I think all these guys are like nice sixth man or seventh man off of your bench, but you have a bunch of guys who are, you know, you're starting. And I mean, Chris, Chris Kamen's still running around. Uh, Mo Harkless, I just they have a really weird team, and they have a lot of guys who I would like to see, you know, be be a bench guy for a good team. But I, I just I don't see how it works here. And then you have and Lillard knows that, and McCollum as well, because those two have the green light whenever. I mean, it's it's almost like a battle sometimes to see who's going to shoot more. Yeah, so this is might be the first time that we actually have a lot of the same impressions because the first thing you said was that you're familiar with them, and I actually queued up this clip. Uh, but they are who we thought they were. <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Thank you, Dennis Green. A little, little delayed, but thank you. Uh, that, that's the kind of – I've seen this team a lot throughout the season, and they just – I saw them this week, and they are who I thought they were. They're just a team that shoots shoots a lot of a lot of bad shots. And like you said, they're, they're just a team that has probably two starters, uh, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, and a bunch of seven to eight men who – you know, fill up spots and play 30 minutes a game. And, you know, and like you said, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard know this. And they just, uh, you know, Lillard has a little Steph Curry in him, though, because he has those, he takes those bad shots, but you're not even sure if they're bad shots anymore because he makes a lot of them. Like, the guy pulls up, he takes, like, step-back 28-footers, and they they just don't even hit the rim. They just drain, he just drains them. But I think the, the thing that you're scared of, especially when you have a bad team, because Lillard's been a part of good teams. You know, obviously, the the Blazers historically during Willard's run have have had playoff runs and all that. And the thing you don't want in this part of of the rebuilding process is for you to develop bad habits like that. You know, because when you're the guy like Willard is on this team, where you basically, like you said, just have the green light whenever, it's easy to just get into those bad habits. And then when they get more competitive and you're looking for him not to do those things, it's just sort of going to become second nature for him to take these bad shots. And I'm not sure if that is really the best thing for this team. But I actually think they might hold the title. And this is usually like an NFL term because this usually happens every year in the NFL. They might be the best bad team. In the NFL, there's always a bad team that can beat up on all the other bad teams but can't be any of the good teams. And I think this might be the, the Blazers this year in the NBA because they can really hang, especially at home, they can really hang with, with the bad like teams that are equal to them or – they're just like a little worse than or a little better than like there's in that range because I mean like the game against the Pelicans, it was just like two evenly matched teams, 
even though they shouldn't be because I'm just disgusted by the Pelicans. They should be so much better than they are. But I guess that's what happens when, like, your five best players are all guards and then you have Anthony Davis surrounded by just a bunch of guards who can't get in the ball. But, uh, you know, it, it's just they're just this team that can hang around with a bunch of bad teams, but they can't beat any of the good teams. Like, they're, they were never going to win at OKC game. That's because they don't have enough talent. And OKC is just a team that just with Westbrook, it was just one of those games that OKC looked at on the schedule and it's just like, okay, we have Westbrook and Durant, so we win. That's it. It's over. And that's basically what happened. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about this team or want to bounce off anything? Well, I think one of the things about Portland that's interesting is if you take a team like the Magic, who we watched last week, and, you know, we see them. You talked about how they like to make it ugly. And it, that's right. true. I mean, I, I think when you when you watch the Magic when they're having a bad game like that Denver game was actually a really good example because they didn't make any threes until the end of the game. It's all, those are, those aren't besides if unless you're me who's a fan of the Magic those aren't fun games to watch so the Magic when they're playing poor basketball they're not a fun team to watch the, the Trailblazers are the exact opposite even when they're playing bad basketball it's almost smooth because you still have a guy out there scoring 25 points in Lillard and it, it just right. it looks like a different game than it actually is and they kind of they move too if you look at them they're not scoring I mean I think they're right about middle of the road in the league. Uh, yeah, 15th in points per game, but they move fast. That ball's up and down the court with this team. It's not, you know, they're not a slow-moving team. It's not like watching Memphis. You're not watching paint dry. So at least they have that going for them. As far as developing bad habits, like you said, the one thing I would point out is that uh, C.J. McCollum being a, a young key player, uh, 24 years old, this guy's shooting over 40% from three. Uh, about 44% from the field. So at least maybe he's not developing these bad habits. I think Lillard, on the other hand, is a walking bad habit. Um, <laughs> and it, it kind of reflects upon the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Lillard it comes to my next point I want to make about this team. Where, um, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit. We're going to get a little more into Damian Lillard in just a second. But I think the, the thing you notice most about this team is defensively, they're just atrocious. I mean, Lillard is a turnstile defensively. He always I don't want to say he always has been, but he has never been a, a gifted defender, and he is certainly he, – he sort of has that James Harden thing going for him this season in the sense that he exerts so much energy for them offensively that I think he's just decided I don't really know if I want to play defense this season with these scrubs next to me. Because the reason why, and the reason why it's noticed a lot more, is because this season um, you go – like LaMarcus Aldridge and Robin Lopez – Robin Lopez specifically is a very good, like, help defender. And, you know, you notice that they have no rim protection now. Like Mason Plumley, sort of a little bit, not really a rim protector. I've, I've seen Mason Plumley a lot in, in Brooklyn. He makes a lot of athletic plays, but his rotations are always very late. And, I mean, you guys got like guys like Ed Davis and Myers Leonard. Like, those guys are not protecting the rim. And I think at some point, you know, I'm a, I'm all for, like, I understand, like, this new thing where everybody's supposed to shoot a three-pointer. But, like, at some point you need – a guy that can give you that defensive intensity, even if maybe he can't hit a three-pointer at the other end. So I, I just think at some point they're going to need that guy on this team, and right now they don't have him, and I think it's really exposing Damian Lillard as the poor defender that he is, which brings me to we're going to do this new segment every week. When we're, this is how we're going to close the while you're watching NBA or while you're watching TNT segment. Uh, we're going to call it the elephant in the room question because I think every team sort of has that elephant in the room question where you – you're you're watching them and and you just have like a long term question for them, so the elephant in the room question I have for you, Andy, about the Portland Trailblazers is 
can you build a team with Damian Lillard as your best player? I mean, honestly, I I think if my first reaction is to say no, but you know, diving deeper into the back of my my uh, <laughs> theory here, I guess I think Lillard is almost one of those guys in this era who you you could build the team around simply because of the pace he plays at and his scoring and his shooting. Because frankly, we're trying to shoot the basketball more in this generation of uh, of the NBA. So that being said, you still need to play defense if you're going to try to copy what the Warriors are doing, and it doesn't necessarily have to start with Lillard. But I, I do think I do think that yes, that you can build a team around Damian Lillard as your best player, but it's, it, it can't be a bag of bombs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of struggle with this, this question myself because I at first I, I had the same reaction. I felt like no, the answer is just no. I was just going to move on, but. I think you, you can, and I think, like, a perfect person for Damian Lillard, for me, would be a guy like DeAndre Jordan. Like, if you put DeAndre Jordan next to Damian Lillard, you have somebody that can, like, grab, because he takes such long shots that he gets, like, these big, long rebounds, you know, when they don't go in. And, like, a guy like DeAndre's just going to eat those boards up and, you know, be able to get second possessions and all that stuff. But also, you're going to have somebody that can protect the rim and really give him a little bit of slack on the defensive end that can clean up some of his mistakes. So I think like somebody like a DeAndre, I'm not saying it has to be DeAndre Jordan, obviously, but somebody like a DeAndre Jordan, a rim protector, a guy that's going to gobble up, you know, rebounds and stuff like that. I, I think that guy is the kind of guy where maybe Damian Lillard is a better player than him. And maybe offensively it's still Damian Lillard's team. But at the same time, I think you can build a, like a nucleus around Damian Lillard and a rim protecting big guy, you know, sort of like a guy like, I don't know, Marcus Aldridge. Uh, funny, funny how that happens. Uh, do you have any more thoughts about the Portland Trailblazers here before we move on? No, I, I think honestly, I, I just feel like you're saying all the same things I think when I watch Portland is they lack that other guy to go along with Damian Lillard. I think that McCollum's become a nice player, but I, I just don't know. I don't know if you can just have the two guards and that's it. And, you know, frankly, they kind of play the same basketball often enough that I, that I can just write them off. But I do think – I think he needs a big guy. I don't know who will be available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be tough. The, the one thing I did notice is that sometimes I can't tell C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard apart just because they have the same build. They w- both wear, like, single-digit numbers, and the three sort of look similar to the zero if you're just glancing at it. <laughs> so sometimes I was like, wait, who is that? Who is that on the court? But, yeah, I, I agree. And I did want to shout out one guy, um, Al Farouk Aminu, who I feel like is playing very much above his, you, you know, like above what people think he might be when they when they got him on the team to replace some of those starters. And I, I feel like he's a really a, a, a piece that could long-term be a long-term uh, part of, of what they're doing there as the rebuild. Okay, so we are going to move on from the Portland Trailblazers, and we are going to get into our next segment where, you know, as we know, when the NBA season starts, every fan base feels like this might be the year for their team. You know, those Sixers fans were out there with the uh, waiting for, for I don't know, Isaiah Cannon to hit four threes and go on a four-game win streak. That's uh, not going to happen. So uh, now that we're a quarter way through the season, we obviously know that that is not the case for some teams like those Sixers. So we are here to politely say goodbye to a couple of teams' playoff hope. Uh, I was going to call this segment Go to Sleep and play the Eminem disc go to sleep but i really couldn't find a version of it that was clean so we're not gonna because i mean basically there's a curse every fourth word shout out to eminem classic eminem so andy who's who's going to sleep 
Well, I don't get a curse in my raps to sell records. <laughs> Shout nice, out to Will nice Um Yeah. The, the team, I'm going to close the door on. See, this was hard to gauge because I didn't really want to pick from the bottom. I didn't want to just say, hey, I'm going to eliminate the Sixers because I feel like that's a cop-out. But at the same time, I, I don't really know that I want to completely cut the umbilical cord this week. So I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings. I'm officially sending you guys fishing. Um, get well soon, Boogie. Rondo has that jump shot <laughs> that we were looking at earlier. Yeah, yo, yo, I just saw that be like 15 minutes before we went on there. For those of you that don't know what Andy's talking about, there's going to be a video that I'm sure you'll see by the time that you hear this show of, of Rayshon Rondo shooting a jump shot with such confidence when he goes up. And I swear to you, it went about 10 feet, and it was like an 18-footer. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, oh Rajon. Rajon's getting paid, though. They're, Believe that. They're gone, but they're gone. I can't. I cannot see this Kings team. I, 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 You know, and the only reason I want to pick them out is because at the beginning of the year, we didn't really talk about this a ton because we kind of talked about who we thought would be our eighth seed. I really did think the Kings could fight for a playoff spot in the West. I wasn't going to give them the eighth seed, but I figured they'd be in the mix. But at this point, I just feel like there's too many other teams with the Suns and the Jazz and the Timberwolves and maybe even the Nuggets or the Trailblazers that are going to ultimately just push the Kings to the bottom. Yeah, and your point about the Kings is a really good point in the sense that if you were going to pick them to be a playoff team and you and somebody told you that Rajon Rondo would be like a, a triple double threat every night, you would be you'd be feel pretty confident about that prediction because that was probably Sold. one of the keys for them to have a successful season. Would be like, okay, if if Rondo is is prime Rondo, then yeah, uh, sure the Kings can make the playoffs because they have Rudy Gay, they got Boogie, you know, they have talent on that team, they got three point shooters. What are they missing? And I, I honestly don't know the the answer to that question. I mean, we we sat and we watched that team, and they're just a train wreck. And I don't know why or how or why it's always that way. It seems like ever since Boogie got there, or even probably way before Boogie uh, as well. But you're you're right. It, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be a playoff team. I agree, and I I really don't know why because they have the talent and they should be getting more wins, and they're not. So I and I had the same thought of you in the sense that I didn't want to pick the Sixers as well. So um, I'm actually going with an Eastern Conference team and one that is right in the hunt, but I'm eliminating them because maybe I'm just a hater. I'm going with the New York Knicks, uh, 14 and 14 currently, and actually on a four-game winning streak as I'm eliminating them from the playoffs. So am I crazier than J.R. Smith after was, two shots in a row? I was going to call uh, you out on the four-game winning streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four in a row. Four in a row. But but let's be fair. Uh, the first win was at our Portland Trailblazers, who which we have discussed. Not too bad. A, a good quality win, especially in Portland. Then you know T Wolves at home. You know, good for you. Take you take that and move on. Philadelphia 76ers. We'll we'll count that as half a win. I, I want to say they're on a three and a half game winning streak. And then they beat the Bulls. <laughs> um, they beat the Bulls on the second half of a back to back after going four overtimes with the Pistons. The Bulls had a quadruple overtime game and then had to fly the next week to, next day to MSG. So that's your textbook schedule loss. Now, their next 10 games, they have your Magic at home, winnable game, and then they're going to Cleveland, to Atlanta, to Boston, Pistons at home, to Chicago, a home and home with Atlanta, at Miami, and at San Antonio. That is a rough 10-game stretch for them. I mean, I see about two wins in there, and i got to tell you, their January schedule does not get any better. 
They have a lot of tough games coming up, and they're going to be lucky, I think, to get two of those ten games. And in the competitive East, that really puts you behind. And I don't know if the team really has the talent to reverse that. So if they go two and eight, I don't know if they have the talent to go eight and two in a, in a ten-game stretch to sort of reverse that. Especially, I'm expecting Porzingis to hit the rookie wall at some point. I mean, the guy has never played this many games before, and he's always probably not played this intense and not played just this many in general. So at, at this point, you're expecting him to hit a wall eventually. And I think once that yeah. happens, he's such a part of that team that I think they're really going to suffer when he's not contributing the numbers that he's currently contributing for them. you got to let him get, like, 45, 50 games. I mean, it's going to be, like, after the All-Star break is probably, I mean, if he's going to hit a wall, it's going to be then. It, it, it just gets to be too long. I mean, we see vets break down after the all-star break it's just it's a it's a rigorous process i think the the biggest thing i can look at is i look through the standing here that i want to talk about real quick is just the fact that the knicks are currently in 11th place in the east and they're at 500 so that means 11 teams in the eastern conference yes 11 are 500 or better as where you only have seven in the Western yeah, Conference. Crazy. The almighty Western Conference. The Knicks and the Rockets have the same record. If I told you that was going to be the case after 28 games, would you have called me crazy? You wouldn't have done the show. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I would have been like, wait, the Knicks are the two seed in the East because they have the same record as the Rockets? Because I was I was expecting I may or may not have wait, uh, has placed a an adult wager on the uh, Houston Rockets over of, I believe, it was like 57 wins maybe, 57 and a half, something like that. Not quite looking like I'm gonna going to be getting my money back on that venture, and I I mean well, walk a mile, walk a mile in my shoes. I picked the Rockets to win the West, and the Knicks were my disappointing team in the East. Yeah, I also uh, might have taken the over <laughs> on the Milwaukee Bucks. So clearly, I don't know why you guys are listening to the show because I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to these teams because <laughs> I'm just throwing money into the wind. All right, so you have any any more thoughts on on my New York Knicks pick here? We're going to move on really quick to something. I don't know. You know, I'll tell you right now. I'll give you a quick secret. I almost picked the team that's one spot behind them, and that's the Wizards. Like, I wanted to close the door on them so badly right now just because of the way this is is breaking down. And I just – I don't know. I think think with the Knicks, I think you're onto something there because – there's just so many teams right around them, the Pistons, the Magic, the Celtics, the Hornets, that you probably lump them into the same pile as. And it's just like – who wants it more? Who has the talent? I, you're talking about uh, Porzingis in being playing a huge role, but we're also talking about him hitting the wall. So obviously that's going to affect it. I mean, it's it's going to be a crazy East once we get you know down to 20 games, 30 games left. Yeah, right. So my theory in in picking the Knicks is, is sort of similar to what you're saying. Is I look at all those teams that those both teams from like seven to you know, 12 or 13, wherever the hell it is. There's so many teams that are competitive now. And I was just like, all right, one of these teams is probably in like the next 10 to 15 games is going to (laughs) go, you know? So I don't think it's going to stay this competitive in this, you know, I I think at some point it's going to like break up a little bit. And I just looked at the Knicks schedule and it was just very tough. So that's why I I just picked them. And then, like I said, after these 10 games, it really doesn't get any easier for them in January. Their their schedule really doesn't lighten up until February, close to the all-star break. So that, that that was my uh, logic towards the Knicks. But I wanted to talk to you really quick because we I did a poll on Twitter, and I was asking once the Ty Lawson trade rumors sort of picked up a little bit, you know, he got suspended for the two games, for those of you that don't know because of his, I don't know, whichever 
seven DUIs he got in the offseason. For one of those, he got suspended two games. And so a lot of rumors about, uh, you know, the Rockets wanting to trade him. And my question simply to you would be is if you had a team, let's just say, you know, maybe the Magic, maybe not, but let's just say, would you want your team to take a chance on Ty Lawson at this point? It depends on how bad my team needs a point guard. I, I can think of some teams. We were just we were just talking about one who could probably use the services of Ty Lawson. Now I don't know that they have the appropriate pieces to get it done, but when you're averaging six and four, and your PERs below eight, I don't really think you know the team that holds on to you can really ask for too much, especially when you're a five eleven point guard. So. Yeah, I think the, you the know, appropriate I, pieces to get it done would be the same amount that Damian Lillard gets to do an appliance commercial. I think that's you're pretty much looking at the same the same really trade here. I, I think that's what you're looking at. Yes, <laughs> you're killing me. But you know, no, I do, I do think, you know, I, I, I do think if my team, I mean, not necessarily now, my Magic, I wouldn't know because I, I like the you know, the guards that are there. But there are definitely teams who could benefit from Ty Lawson. I don't think he's done. I've never been a huge Ty Lawson fan, but at 28 years old, I, I don't think he just goes from, you know, being one of the uh, best assist guys in the league to just being terrible. Yeah, so I, I agree. Currently, as the, the putrid Nets fan that I am, just the unfortunate desire to actually root for this team. Ty Lawson is like on my short list of best case scenarios, which just shows you just how, just how atrocious the, the Mets current uh, predicament is. Uh, Mike Conley is number one. Mike Conley is like basically Christmas morning and you get whatever you wanted, everything on your Christmas list. Every Santa just brings you that choo-choo train. He brings you whatever, the Ninja Turtle doll, all of it. He just brings it all and it's just right under your tree. That's, that's Mike Conley for Nets fans right now. And then Ty Lawson's like, you know, you get like the, the number five thing on your list. You know, maybe maybe your mom couldn't really, she couldn't really swing the uh, the Xbox One, so she she rocked you like the new NBA 2K instead for your Xbox 360. That that's that's Ty Lawson on the Nets fans right now. But yeah, I, I think like you said, I don't think he's done. So I, I mean, I think a team should take a take a chance on him, see what see what he's got left if you give him 35 minutes a game. So. We're going to move on to the end of the, of the show here, our uh, fantasy segment that we do every week, which is the scrub and stud of fantasy football and basically the best and worst players of the week. Andy Flint, who is your fantasy stud? My fantasy stud is the other half of the Splash Brothers that we haven't got to talk about that much this year, and that is good old Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson has well kind of been on a tear. Uh, 27 points last game, 43. Obviously, we can't forget that the game before. Uh, you know, I mean, he's doing what Clay does. I think he shot over 60% in that game where he had 43 uh, from beyond the arc, making eight threes. I mean, it's nice to see him kind of pop up. I hate to call 19 points a game as his average for the season a slump, but, I, you know, I think Clay's kind of fallen almost into that third fiddle role this year, and it's nice to see him bounce back. Yeah, I think that 43-point game featured a 27-point quarter, maybe, something like that. He was, he was going crazy, just injuries all over the place. Uh, my stud is one of my favorite players in the league, as you know, Andy, uh, Michael Carter-Williams. Wait, what? That's right. I'm showing I'm showing I'm showing MCW some love here. Last five games, nineteen point four points, five point six rebounds, five point four assists, and two steals. I mean, lighten it up, filling up the stat sheet, that's what you want in a fantasy player. And that's really what you want in Michael Carter Williams. 
So that 2018 trip to Turkey I have booked for you may have to go on StubHub or something. And plus, the Bucks played the always valuable fantasy four-game work week. So that's always valuable in fantasy basketball when you get the four the four games in, in that type period. Andy Flint, who is your scrub of the week? My scrub of the week is Avery Bradley. Um, Avery Bradley actually had 11 consecutive games in a row where he scored in double digits until his last two games where he scored five and four, respectively, chucking up uh, 23% from deep. And this is a season that he came into the year saying he wanted to shoot like the most efficient in the NBA. Good job, Avery. You're getting there. <laughs> yeah. So my scrub of the week is also shooting atrociously from the floor. And that is Wes Matthews, who has the honor of being the first reoccurring scrub of the segment, because I believe you picked Wes Matthews as a scrub a couple of weeks ago. So congrats, I Wes. Did. And if you if you don't like it, try shooting better than 26% from the floor like you did last week. So but get healthy. No, Really, though, in all seriousness, get healthy. So that is the show for today. Um, before we move on, uh, next week we are going to show our respects for one of our favorite teams, Andy. It's time to rest in peace. Grit and grind, Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to watch and we're going to pay some homage next week, and you know, pay our respects for one of our favorite heroes in basketball. I'm with it. All right. So that was our episode. Uh, we are going to end it. We will be with you next Sunday from 6:30 to 7 o'clock, our normal time span, to take you around the journey of the NBA. We are going to end like always, like we do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>